Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Jimmy Palumbo Show. That's right. I'm your host, Jimmy Palumbo. Once again, it's so good to do the Jimmy Palumbo as show as myself. I just keep on saying the name Jimmy Palumbo because um, no one else does. Um, <laughs> we have a very special show here at Shea. This is show number 82. And, of course, normally I have Chris Gucci behind the glass, but he got called away because he's too busy now with his Mojo app and all that stuff, which is good for him. And I had to bring in a wily old veteran, my <laughs> college roommate from sophomore year in 1984 at Rutgers, your friend and mine, Mr. Ed Zucker. Eddie, good morning or good afternoon. How you doing, buddy? Doing great, Jimmy. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, you came in last minute uh, <laughs> to come in and fill the, fill, the, fill the void here. So I'm going with a rookie quarterback. You're like the Wildcat. You're like a young Saquon <laughs> Barkley right now. But this is show number 82, and what do we do with the number? We always equate it to a jersey number from someone in sports. And listen, I, the first guy I think of is Vito Cab from the Giants in 1985. So the second guy I think of, of course, is Danny Pittman. Now, listen, I just said two names where two guys just drove off the road because even the Pittman and Vito Cab families don't talk about them anymore. <laughs> um, this is the alt, one, of the, one of the brutal numbers. There's also uh, James Jenkins. Rutgers Scarlett McKnight uh, played 10 years in the NFL. And there's also bad giant, even a current giant, Ray Rhodes, horrible. Um, Vicent Shanko, remember? <laughs> Mario Manningham, but you know Oh, what? there you I, go, bro. That's but it. I decided, I decided to turn it around here at Shea. I am going with a guy I hate. I still hate him. I don't like saying his name. I have nightmares of this guy always being open. His name is James Witten the tight end of the Dallas Cowboys for 74 years. Now, I couldn't stand this guy. Draft pick out of Tennessee, comes to the Cowboys. He was a draft pick. Tony Romo, this guy was open on every play. I was at the games. Romo just, I swear to God, Romo would be like Daniel Jones without Witten. He's got the most games at tight end, 271. Most catches in a single game, 18. Uh, uh, consecutive games, 235. He started 179. He's just a, a nightmare. Big white guy, always open, killed the Giants. He has all kinds of weird stats, most receptions, most yards as a Cowboy. He just was always open. I swear to God, if the Giants signed him right now and Daniel Jones rolled out, Witten would be open. That's the way it is. <laughs> I think without him, the Cowboys win three games. So and now he's a high school coach and he tried broadcasting. I was happy. I was actually the only guy when he sucked at broadcasting. I, I like, I, I considered that a win for the giants. Like, Oh, Witten, what, he's still getting open, but he sucks as a broadcaster. So that's it. My guy, James Witten. I can't stand him. He's one of the best players of all time, in my opinion. All right, Eddie, who do you got? Number 82. Well, you mentioned one of the two that I had. I mean, how could you not? as New York Giant football fans that you and I are, go with Mario Manningham, yeah, the catch on the sidelines in Super yes. Bowl 46. Are you kidding me? That his was name the has the word Man Manning in it. That's all you need. <laughs> exactly. But my guy that I'm going with, one of the best wide receivers in NFL football history, Mr. John Stallworth, number 82 yes. of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Steelers. I was going to mention him, but I figured I couldn't. Somebody would. Uh, so that listen, John Stallworth, great player, no question awesome. about it. Super Bowl winner, the whole bit, him and Lynn Swan. So that's Absolutely. it. We have James Witten and uh, John Stallworth. That's very exciting. Now, of course, we can start our show. God forbid. Um, I want to just give a shout out. Now, I'm having issues with my Patreon fans. I'm stuck at 13. 
maybe I'll get my guests to donate to my show. Uh, but I said, since, the, since it's so low, I'm going to be able to read off again my Patreon, stuck at 13, and that is Alex Detsena, my sister, Mary Eileen Riccardi, my buddy Mike DeMosi from Colonia, my mom, Eileen, Joe Palumbo, my cousin, Rob Pastor, Kappa Sig from Rutgers back in the day, um, James Kanowitz, my web guy and great guy, Jimmy Riccardi, my, my nephew, John Henry Riccardi, my nephew, my nephew, Eric. There's so many Palumbos on here. This is like, <laughs> this is like a bad Christmas uh, event here. Uh, I got my CornholeLevel.com guy, Mike Caprio. And I also have my brother, Frank, who's donating. Uh, he's the, the big dog in this group. And my LSU buddy, Daryl Clark, getting involved. 13 people. I need to grow that. So please, also, don't forget, you got to get involved with uh, uh, Instagram, the Facebook, the TikTok, the, the, everything. Please sign up. Click, clicky, clicky, whatever you got to do. Subscribe. Tell me you love me. This, that, and the other thing. <laughs> so now we're here. One of my segments, Eddie, I don't know if you've been listening. I, My sister, who now I hate, because she said to me, Jimmy, you need to lose weight. Oh, of course. Why don't you weigh yourself every Monday morning and then go on the air? Now it's Tuesday. And tell everybody what your weight is. So you, you're, you're beholden to the audience what your weight is. And I did well. April 1st, I had, a, I had to get under 200. I did. Then I started to get crazy. I'll get down to 195. I ran into trouble. And mm. then I said to start of the football season. Anyway, I am just stuck. Once again, um, uh, I am stuck once again at this 197 mark. I didn't have a good week. I didn't. I ate like crap. I was out and about, you know, uh, yassabussing. And I'm still at 197. And, of course, when I do this, I'm so clever with this. And my, my guest, who's only listening in right now, is going to get a kick out of this. I have a sponsor sponsoring my weight loss. How dangerous <laughs> is that? What am I like, Oprah with Weight Watchers? Um, and that is sponsored by Absolute Eyewear, the sponsor that is the, the mostest with the hostess. Absolute Eyewear, 42 Main Street, Woodbridge, New Jersey, 732-326-3937. Listen, family-owned Craig and Johnine Michaud, brother and sister, they're awesome. They do full-service opticians. They got prescription eyeglasses, sunglasses, safety glasses, glasses for the kids getting involved over there. And, of course, I must say it, as always, $100 off a complete pair when you mention this show. Remember, it's got to be a pair. But, listen, they're open five days a week. Eddie, you don't know this. They're closed on Wednesdays because of softball. And they're <laughs> closed on Sundays because the football giants are on the air. But, most importantly, they have the best tagline of any company. But I invented it. Now, it's not fully public yet. But when you leave absolute eyewear with a pair of glasses, you don't feel like a jerk-off. That, that, listen, I think that's the greatest slogan of all time. When you leave there, how many times you buy something and when you leave, you go, yeah, what I do? Why I buy that? I feel like a jerk off. The guy was an asshole. He was not nice to me. These people are nice. They're friendly. They know what they're doing. And when you leave there, you don't feel like a jerk off. So someday when this podcast is huge, okay, I'm going to be on television going, Jimmy Palumbo says, you don't feel like a jerk off. Go to Absolute Eyewear. <laughs> and as always, ladies and gentlemen, the following sunglasses are available at Absolute Eyewear. Ray-Ban, Coach, Ralph Lauren, Jimmy Choo, Silhouette, 
Michael Kors, Vogue, Maui Jim, and Costa Del Mar. Also, Oakley, not Charles Oakley. That's it, my Bob Shepard. Absolute Eyewear is sponsoring my fatness. I got to start losing weight. It's driving me crazy. And and that's it. So, all right. So, everybody go to Patreon. Do all that. Support my show. Watch the live. I got so many people in the chat room. Zero. Um, but that's okay because I do really well on Apple Podcasts. It's between me and Joe Rogan. <laughs> Joe Rogan with the early lead on the Jimmy Palumbo show here <laughs> from the Omni in Atlanta. Of course, uh, those of you scoring at home are probably noticing the hat I'm wearing. Ed's Bar and Swill. Where does that come from? We'll just tease that. And I'm also teasing my guest a little bit. That's coming on a little bit. All right, let's get to it. Uh, let's see. Rutgers, Ohio State, tough. Ohio State's one of the best teams in the country. We got beat up pretty bad. I thought they played much better than people say. Um, they hung in there. Ohio State had to work for it. CJ Stroud might have uh, played himself out of the Heisman. He didn't do that great. We had trouble with the running back. He scored like 45 touchdowns. But I thought Rutgers hung in there. Um, it was a couple of really cheesy plays in it. First of all, the punt. My favorite player now is Adam Cruikshank because you're up 49-10. You don't fake a punt. Ohio State player did it on his own. And you know what happened? Cruikshank just nailed him out of bounds, which is great. All Rutgers fans love this guy now. But listen. We got a third-string quarterback in there for us. All our quarterbacks are hurt. Um, we got a huge game this week, Nebraska. Must, must, must win. My Scarlet Knights, you have to win Friday. I'm going to the game, bringing my daughter. It's going to be a blast. And after that, you know, Indiana, Minnesota, they'll be favored. But, you know, those are winnable games. So, my Scarlet Knights, you have to beat Nebraska because Nebraska's not that good this year. And you got to win the game. For the first time in a long time, must win Scarlet Knights. If they want to go to a bowl, they got to win. All right. How about my Giants? <laughs> they play lousy. They're running the Wildcat with Saquon Barkley. But you know what? Listen, we have October football for the first time in like, I don't know, 100 years. We're actually playing in October. Um, the bottom line is we're three and one. Giants haven't been three and one since I was, uh, you know, like 48. Um, <laughs> they're fun to watch. Uh, did you watch the game, Eddie? Any of the Giant game? I did watch a Giant game, of course. Was that the most pathetic fourth quarter they had with Daniel Jones lining up as a receiver because he couldn't move? It's crazy. I'll tell you, for a 3-1 and team, they're just so boring to watch, except Brutal. Saquon Barkley, who's been phenomenal. So I have to watch four quarters of Rutgers football. They never score. <laughs> and then I watch the Giant games, and they never score. So um, I'm completely, uh, you know, I'm in the weeds with that. But listen, bottom line is, they're three and one. They got a tough game coming up. They got to fly to. L I hate these London games. Nine thirty in the morning. They got to play the Packers in London. Why are we playing football in London? There's soccer <laughs> people there, and right. I hate soccer. So I, I I like people from London, and I, I, I someday I will go to London to enjoy. But I don't like soccer. We play there in the morning. The fans are cheering. Yay! It's it's. You don't know what the hell they're all drinking. It's awesome, but still, I hate it. I don't want to wake up at nine thirty in the morning. I can't even go to church. You know what I mean? It's brutal for me. So uh, they play in London, and God bless. That's how it works. We have October football with my Scarlet Knights and Giants. Yankees won a division. Uh, Judge hit the bomb, pull it off. My boy Stanton, who only has like two hits in the last 45 days, starting to hit bombs now. He's my favorite player. You all know that. So I think the Yankees will be set up. They're playing next Wednesday, first round of the playoffs. We'll see who they play. The Mets. Eddie, I know you're a Met fan. Ah, uh, 
The Mets, the Mets, the Mets, the Mets, the Mets. I, I Listen, I've been reading stuff online. These Mets fans have been busting Yankees chops all year long. We have a better record. We're going to win a division. Now there's three games left. It's 45 degrees out. My father, if he was a weatherman, he would say, today's weather, miserable. That's all he would say. Because <laughs> when you say miserable, you know it's miserable. It's cold. It's raining. And the Mets have to play a doubleheader. What a nightmare. They're probably going to – the magic number's one for the Braves. Uh, even though they lost last night. Um, the Mets are going to be a wild card. That is brutal. Um, but they still got – Mets are still spunky. I think they'll be okay in the playoffs. But, Eddie, your Mets just really didn't get it done in the end. That's really bottom line. You know, you ask any Mets fan, going into the weekend, you have DeGrom, Scherzer, and Bassett, and you lose all three – the chances of that happening were like slim to none. So yeah, it's, it's very deflating for us Mets fans right now. It's absolutely brutal for you, but Hey, that's the way it goes. You know, what's even more depressing. Really? I'm, you know, I, I still read the New York post. Nobody reads the paper anyway, except for Jimmy Plumbo. I think I'm the only matter of fact, I think like Rupert Murdoch should drop off the paper personally to me. <laughs> you you got to read the paper. It's in your hand, the paper, you go into the bathroom with the paper. You got to have your, you got to have the paper in your hands. I sound like an old man now. But, um, yeah, I, I'm reading uh, Nick's articles now, preseason. That's the mm. most – I swear to God, uh, it's like suicide prevention. I think uh, – anybody, please, if you're reading Nick articles, talk to a counselor, talk to someone, <laughs> uh, get help, uh, medicate yourself, whatever you got to do. Self-medicate, drink. I, 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 if you're reading a Nick article before noon, have, have a scotch because it's just <laughs> depressing. They're still going to stink. It's awful. But um, – and that brings us to another crazy sponsor of mine, because we are about to do my NFL stinks list. And it's sponsored by CornholeLevel.com, which is owned by my friend, Mike Caprio, my second second baseman. Now, listen, Eddie, you don't know anything about Cornhole. Listen, sure. what this little gadget does is, can you imagine going to a party and someone's got cornhole boards lined up and they're crooked, they're this way, they're that way, they're flat. This is a little gadget. You hook on the hole and it totally levels the board, the proper to and fro and up and down. It's like this crazy thing. Simple to use. They're only $19.95. You got to go to cornholelevel.com, put in JP show. You get 20% off of $19.95. How great is that? <laughs> These are a great stocking stuffer. If you go to a barbecue and you see a bad cornhole, you got to give this as a gift. Say, dude, your cornhole level boards are a mess. Give them. They're great. They're small, easy stocking stuffer. Make it happen. Uh, it's a really cool thing. And he's been a sponsor now. He just re-upped his contract. So Cornhole Level is with me forever. And they sponsor my NFL stinks list. As you well know, I think the NFL stinks now. But this is it. Okay. AFC. Miami Dolphins. Average. Buffalo Bills. Good. Upgraded. New York Jets, average for the first time in years. Patriots, stink. Browns, average. Bengals, average. Baltimore Ravens, I'm putting in as good. Pittsburgh Steelers, stink. Jaguars, average. Tennessee Titans, average. Colts and Texans, they both stink. Kansas City Chiefs, only good. I couldn't give them the VG, only good. Uh, Chargers, good. Broncos and Raiders, stink. Let's get to my NFC, and this is very interesting, kids. NFC East, I have the Philadelphia Eagles, only 4-0 team, as very good. Dallas Cowboys, got to give it to them, good. 
New York Giants for the first time in a while. An average. Giants are an <laughs> average. Haven't been average since the Carter administration. The Washington Commanders stink. Minnesota Vikings average. They're upgraded. Green Bay Packers, I, they were stink for a while, but I got them up to good now because they play the Giants. So it looks good if we beat a good team. The Chicago Bears stink. You can't beat the Giants. They were running a wildcat with Barkley at quarterback. It was awful. They stink. The Lions stink. The Lions lead the league and stinks. Tampa Bay Buccaneers downgraded to average. Falcons upgraded to average. Panthers and Saints, you both stink. 49ers average. Rams average. Cardinals average. Seahawks average. That was supposed to be the best conference in America. And Jimmy Palumbo has them all at averages. Now, those of you scoring at home, that's 11 teams that stink. Last week I had 19, so there's a lot of less stink in the air. 14 <laughs> averages, six goods, and one very good. So that's my stinks list, sponsored by CornholeLevel.com. Uh, ESPN is reportedly picking up my stinks list. Um, I think it's a wonderful thing. And maybe I should put that whole segment on the Instagram, TikToky, Facebooky. Well, <laughs> listen, Eddie, being that you don't know anything about anything, <laughs> and you're just stepping in here. The first thing we could that was a big thunder. I don't know if you guys heard that. That's miserable weather there. Um, we could talk briefly, uh, before we have our guest. Um, quick prediction. You only got two seconds. Ready? Are Rutgers basketball are they gonna make the NCAA tournament? No. Wow, you're with me on this. Geo and Harper are gone, they're not gonna replace those points. I'm with you on that. We're fans. We're going to root, and this team will be different. We got to lower expectations and have some fun with it. All right. Um, now, I have a very special guest. Ladies and gentlemen, now I'm going to try to do the toggle thing here if anybody's on the streaming. She's an old friend of mine. I started work with her back in the day with a group called Live on Tape. I'm going to bring her on board here. She should pop right on. There she is, your friend and mine, Mary Birdsong. Mary, can you hear us? Jimmy, I can hear you. Well, there you go. Now, listen, Otis, I call Mary Birdsong Otis Birdsong. I've been doing that since I met her. Her last name's Birdsong. I'm an NBA fan, Otis Birdsong. And plus, there was Otis Anderson, who spelled his name with two Ts. So I just call her Otis with two Ts. And Carl Birdsong was a football player. That's it. So there's so many bird songs. And even though Mary is not really an athlete or anything, she's just, it's fun to get a nickname from me. Now, I met Mary back in, I think it was 1993. Is that possible? Probably, yeah. 93. I was in a sketch group called Live on Tape with, with Artie Lang. And what happened was Artie ended up um, uh, booking Mad TV. And we had to replace, uh, you know, we needed like four people. And so the producer fired everybody except literally for me and brought in these four other tremendous actors, which we'll discuss in a second. And I remember being cocky because I was already on, with the band already. And I'll never forget. The first, I showed up at rehearsal like first day of preseason, fat, overweight, like ah, who are these kids? I've been doing this for years. I was doing it for like 90 days. And all of a sudden, these people come in, Mary Birdsong being one of them. And I'm going to let you speak in a second. And I was like, oh, my God, these people are so much better than me. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was like completely overwhelmed. Um, 
And I was like, oh my God. So Mary Birdsong, I met you at a rehearsal for live on tape. And, uh, but I, I got to say, first of all, and this interview is all over the place, but we're going to, Mary's going to talk a bunch. She, you know, she's the, one of the stars of Reno 911. So, uh, which I think is awesome. And she totally rocks it. She is, I, what do you go, is deputy, deputy, was it Kimball? Kimball? What do you got? Charisha? Deputy, deputy Kimball. And the first name is Charisha. Charisha. Yeah. yeah. Everybody, everybody knows you from that. Plus a ton of other movies, but I want to go back in a day. You knew Artie Lang. Uh, and uh, what was it like for you now mid nineties doing sketch comedy in New York city? I was so over it. <laughs> I remember like, and I love doing sketch comedy. I did this uh, sketch comedy group that was based. It started out as groundlings East um, and then later became Gotham city improv. Um, and we were at that point, like I joined the company and I was so excited. This is going to make me. And we were at that point where there were more people backstage than there were out in the audience. Uh, and I we're, remember those we're like days. in the circle backstage going, so do we do it? Do we go home? Do we and I was like, fuck no, we don't do it. What are you talking about? I have sweatpants to wear. What are we, why are we putting these people through this torture? They're going to feel sorry for us the whole time. And I'm like, so great. I can't do this anymore. I'm not, I just can't. And then I remember Mike Stafford. Stafford? Stafford. Um, who was like a little Michael Keaton from Family Ties with his briefcase yep. and his little Republican like uh, outfit. Um, he was like a young Giuliani. He was. And uh, and so he kept snooping around. He would come to these Gotham City improv shows and be like, look, I got this great group and I want to poach you guys. Like he was poaching players from another team. Was great. And I was like, he was playing. He was playing fantasy improv. Yeah. And uh, I was like, man, no, I'm not going to I'm not going to do another show. And then he literally just, he called one too many times when I was just like sitting there going like, fuck it. I don't fine. Okay. I'll do it. And can I curse on this show? Yes, and, you can. And so <laughs> I remember it was literally like, basically this is a pattern in my life. Like anything good that's ever happened in my life was never like, oh, this is it. It was always like, fuck it. I don't know. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly how I feel doing this podcast. So, <laughs> I'm, in, you know what? I'm in my, I'm doing podcast. I'm in my kitchen. <laughs> yes, and leave. so I loved it. I it was a bit of a culture clash at first because you guys oh. were so like, you know, let's do homophobic jokes about fucking oh, shoes. We were doing, we yeah. were doing. Oh, we were me and Artie were. But you know what's funny? Artie and I weren't homophobic. We just did like blue collar material that you know we didn't realize was maybe offensive to someone who's an NYU grad. Yes. I mean, come on. Um, Cheers. But, that was one of our best bits. That's right. But it kind of worked. Cause like, meanwhile, some of us, you know, like Alec, whatever, were like, well, I, I have this great piece. That I just wrote about Proust. Um, there's a hilarious yeah, was, sketch wrote about Keats and uh, poetry. But, um, and it I was worked. doing sketches never, like V. I was doing Vito Bank, and you, yeah. <laughs> Uncle Vito. He was a, in oh a big God. box that was a an ATM called Vito Bank, right? And right. these guys in Jersey would come up and get money out, and out would so pop Jimmy with his hands, just his face in his hands. Right. He'd be like, "Hey, welcome to Vito Bank. Where you going?" I had, 
they had you dressed up as my mother and everything. You I were all like, yeah, I was the- old Italian mother in black with like great. boobs sagging down to my knees and a big like pocketbook. Right. And you did, you were Freedom. doing action. <laughs> we had so much. And then remember live on NBC, you actually hit me in the face I with did. your pocketbook and it, it cut me a little bit. <laughs> I actually went like, oh, and I jumped back. So it was like perfect. I was got knocked out by Mary Birdsong. But we had, we had, listen, you guys were, um, I was so blown away. I mean, it was Mary Birdsong, uh, Barbara Harrell, Tony Minuto, Alec Holland, Tom Bolster, Amy Wilson, and, and myself already went on to Mad TV. And then our show got hot and we got signed by NBC. And the cool thing I always thought, and I, you know, it was good for me, but I know you guys, when we wrote sketches, it was so clear <clears throat> Who was going to play what? Now, I know some of the people in the group wanted to like expand their repertoire, but to me, it was like when when I when the delivery guy, you ever notice the parts I played, the delivery guy, the jerk off guy, which I, I embraced it. I was like, you know what? I'm going to come on stage and I'm going to have two lines. I'm going to get my laugh and get off and let these brilliant people get laughs throughout. So I didn't mind being in a sketch. As long as I was in the sketch, I didn't really mind. But then I uh, yeah, always had either like, a delivery like takeout bag. <laughs> I was like, I was, I was the guy. Like, what the hell's going on here? I remember the sketch we did in the elevator, Abavator, it was called, to that Abba song, and you guys were yep. doing all this dance, and I just played a guy getting on the elevator again. I think it was my best work. All I do is get on the elevator and I get off. Brilliant work. There was so much going on in my head with that scene. You know what? Jimmy, I thought you I didn't carried even scene. know it, and you didn't even. There wasn't the word yet. And you were branding yourself. I was branding myself as jerk off guy coming on and off. But no, it was fun. I'm friends with everybody still in the group. They're all doing, uh, well, me and you, I guess, are technically the last of the Mohicans still in showbiz. Um, Certainly you have, you're you're further along than I am. But uh, the other people, Tony's still doing creative ad stuff. And uh, Barbara's still doing this cool podcast thing. I I don't know, did you ever do her show? Barbara's podcast is called Every Family. He's got one. Right. I, I, have you ever done it? Yeah. I did it too. It was awesome. We did a live reading in the city once. It was great. Um, oh, that's so cool. It's a really and, good show. Every I know, family's I, got one. It's just about all the, you know, that that freaky story in your family. Yeah, that, you it's know. really, really a great idea. And I still talk to Tony and her. They're so sweet. We totally have to have a reunion. Um, well, let's see. Now, after live on tape, I ended up, you know, I thought we, were, we, all, we all thought we were going to be TV stars. And then NBC and Lauren Michaels decided to not air live on tape. That was strike one in my career. I thought I was rounding third, going to slide home with the win. I got thrown out by five feet. Um, so that sucked. And then, so tell me what, what did you end up doing immediately after live on tape? I know we started going to LA a lot. Um, yeah. What, what did you do after that? I remember uh, I was doing live on tape and then again, same thing. These these two guys, there was a two guy comedy group called the Two Andys because they were both named Andy. And they asked me if I wanted to do their show. And this was right after live on tape. And I was like 25 and already cynical. I was like, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're doing a sketch show. That's cute. Yeah. Good luck. at (laughs) And and, uh, living in Queens. And uh, and I was like, fuck. All right. I guess I'll do it. And I thought the guys were gay also. Um, because they okay. were like oh, and Andy, they lived in apartments above each other, and I wound up dating one of them for two years. 
wound right. up. What was his name? Andy? Um... Andy Secunda. Oh, he went, my God, he, I forgot, like I forgot you dated him. Yeah, he won an Emmy. That's right. I totally remember it now. I forgot all about him. He was a nice guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. Yeah, he's a great guy. And he wound up uh, writing for the Conan O'Brien show and for the Goldbergs. And not only did I wind up dating him, I wound up living in the apartment of his sister that was a rent stabilized Upper East Side one bedroom for $50 a month. And why did you ever move out of there? You should have I met. did. You should I still did. be living they there. Forced me after 15 years. They were like, "Hit the road." We found out what you're doing. But his sister Ruth Ann also became my agent. She got me a development oh, deal right. at CBS. So, uh, like Ruth Ann Secunda, of course. It was one of those things where you were like, "Fuck it, I guess I'll do it." You know, right. nothing going on, and it wound up like being the next 10 years of my life um, because she was a really great agent. I remember trying to get on the phone with William Morris to ask, Forget you know, to it. talk it out and be like, should I, you know, look, I have this opportunity. I really feel like, and I could not get them on the phone. And I was Brutal. like, you know what? Why am I feeling bad about like leaving this agency? I, I, listen, I won't even let me break up with them. I, I, I totally, under, I, I go through the same thing. I, I have nice little, uh, I have good representation. I always have, but William Morris, first of all, we, I, I was signed with the New York Yankees. I didn't own a glove. That that's what we were signed. Me and Artie were signed by we. I they were too big, and I realized that nobody was, nobody was hitting me ground balls over there. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, this is I shouldn't be. I waited too long uh, to switch over, and I finally did with your help, by the way. Uh, over oh. at now I'm with Henderson Hogan. I've been there ever since. Um, but yeah, that was a weird time. We were I, listen. Well, you know what? I look back now. I'm 57 years old, and I look back, and part of me says. Uh, Jimmy, you were a little cocky live on tape. You got out to L.A. I felt I was with this awesome band of of sketch people that were the most talented people I've ever worked like with. A band. It felt yeah, you like- walked in. So I, I everybody talks about going. I strolled into L.A. with a, like I was like Sinatra at the Sands. Like, what do you guys do? Television out here? Gather around. Palumbo's in town, and I got a couple of bass hits early. Booked some stuff, you know, ER and uh, just before I booked Friends eventually, but. I did a bunch of these bad TV shows or that was happy to be on getting paid good money, but I didn't realize like, Hey, you, Jimmy, you gotta get, you don't really have representation anywhere. Um, but Meanwhile, so I was the one who was like back by the dumpster behind the Acme comedy theater, smoking and like chugging diet coast going, I can't do this. I'm bad. This isn't going to work out. I can't. <laughs> I oh my God. I totally get it. So you now I'm, I'm looking, of course, listen, Mary Birdsong is a friend of mine, and I don't mean to say she just did Reno 911. I mean, I'm looking at your resume here, and I'm like, holy shit. You've done tons of voiceovers, by the way. You were in the movie The, the Descendants, um, uh, Tales of the yep. City. You, you, I mean, you're just all over the place. You also did you – were on, you were on the great Broadway. I mean, I, you I did the – uh, uh, with yeah, uh, I did a, Mar- I did a Broadway Martin musical. Short. Yeah, I did a Broadway musical with Martin Short called Fame Becomes Me. And it was a huge, great, good time. Um, we toured uh, for about six months first and then That's wound crazy. up on Broadway. He was a That's really awesome. incredible. I, are you still friends with Martin Short or no? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we don't like hang out, but he's right. definitely, like, you know, he's done me favors. He's come on like a web series I did and, He's called, like, there were a couple of times I was up for a job and, you know, 
know, it was not definitely, uh, it was no shoe in and he called and like put in a good word for me and stuff. So he's oh, a really good guy who will tear you apart that's... and then put you back together. He is vicious, but he is oh, an really? evil in the best way. He'd be like, he's okay. like you. you know what I mean? He's like, Jimmy, but where are you going with that hat? <laughs> like he makes fun of everybody. Everybody. Right. And he seems like, like a good guy. So I would be calling him a jerk off to his face on stage. Calm down there, Marty. Anybody call him Marty? Any of that going on? Sure. Marty, I like your work, but you're being a jerk off. But that's no, the that, thing. I, I, if you could bust his balls back, he loved it. I'd be like, Marty, where's your ass? Do you have, what, what is with these pants? Like he had no butt. <laughs> be, he would laugh. He loved it. That's um, awesome. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Well, tell me, uh, well, uh, Descendants, tell me a little bit about that. Uh, that was you get, uh, crazy. Um, like when I, you know, Jimmy and I were with the same, for the fans here who don't know, Jimmy and I were signed with the same mayor for a long time. Uh, who you was can mention his name, Peter Principato. I'm still with them. Or now it's Peter, Prin- Peter Principato pops, props. Yeah, he is the one who took Live on Tape under his wing when he was he just doing commercials. And it was those things where like two people have this opportunity together. Like he saw it as his way out of commercials. We saw it as a way out of waiting tables. And and now he's like the biggest comedy manager in the universe. And, and so when I was with Peter, I was doing more sketch comedy and sitcom stuff. And then I wound up being with this different manager who was more like film. And so I was getting these different kinds of auditions and I remember I got the audition for the descendants and the description said like 25 year old, hot, half Hawaiian model. And I was like, guys, are you fucking kidding me? I'm not auditioning for this. They're not well, going to cast are, You are hot, Mary Birdsong. Well, I will label you as hot. I don't know about the 25. I, was out, I will say I was probably like 30 something, but, but, <laughs> and I remember, you know what? The only reason I wound up, like putting myself on tape is a because they gave me a lot of grief about it they're like just do it just put yourself on tape and at the time i was seeing i was running around town with this young man named jack and he was super cute and i had such a crush on him and he was an actor to you and what is birdsong getting involved here what's up guys think that they're the only ones who like connive and manipulate to like get in a girl's pants but so i I was like i'm gonna ask ask jack to help me put myself on tape because he's an actor and he likes doing that kind of stuff and so we were on our date and then after i was like i don't know i have to put myself on tape for this thing i don't know i'm not very good at doing that he's like well i'll help you and i was like so yeah he helped put us bird song for threes got it we're tired of anyone yeah, so he put me on tape. I forgot all about it, as you try to do with these things. You know, you try to forget it because, you know, if you waited, like, to hear yes, you'd be miserable. And then I remember I was walking up the street, New York City, 3rd Avenue, tons of packages. I think it was, like, Christmas or something. Raining, tons of packages, exhausted, sweaty, tired. It's nighttime. And I got a phone call from my agent, and she told me that I got the part. And I literally wow. dropped my bags and started dancing on the sidewalk. That's and there was awesome. this security guard. It was like deserted. It was like that weird stretch of third Avenue that like after dark, there's no townie. And the security guard looked at me like I was a crazy homeless person. Um, and I just, That's I couldn't it. believe it. And she told me, huge. she told me, Mary, 
this is the most important part. You were his number one choice. And I've wow. never forgotten that. So that was really nice because it wasn't like a big old broad comedy. You know what I mean? When, um, I, when I book the family, I get a phone call from Ted, my manager. Hey, Jimmy, it looks like you booked a date on this movie, The Family, with Luke Besson. I was like, oh, great. You know, I'll make $1,500, right? He goes, hey, hang on. His call's coming in. Calls me back. He's like, it looks like it's going to be like three days. I'm like, oh, good. $4,500 then. You know, I feel good about myself. And then he's like, hang on, hang on. His call's coming in. And then he's like, no, you're going to be out a week. You're going to work the whole week. I'm like, ah, it's going to be eight grand. This is good. And then he calls up and goes, you're going to go to France for six weeks. <laughs> I was like, wait a I went from one day in Queens to working in France, all within a nine-minute phone period. It was pouring rain. I went into that live, what's it called? Live, not live bait. That, that, that little shitty bar used to be on 23rd Street with all the- I remember a stuff. place called Live Bait. Yeah, that, well, this wasn't Live Bait. I just, I don't know why that name came in my head. And uh, I went in there and I ordered French fries and I called my mother and father and I was like, mom, I'm going to be in France doing a movie with Robert De Niro. So my dad got on the line. Well, well what movies are you doing? Are you playing a mobster? He's like, yeah, my father was old school with that. Meanwhile, he was, it was raining out. So I said, dad, it's miserable out. So we, that's the only thing he knew. Uh, but uh, that was fun. So let's see. Now, um, I obviously, I mean, you've done, I mean, the voice, I didn't realize how much voice work you've done. That's awesome. Um, oh, can I plug something? Yes. Well, plug two away. things. There is, speaking of podcasts, there's a podcast that I just started doing, which I love. It's almost like if they said, looking for Mary Birdsong, it's called Odd Jobs. And the, the premise is, they interview people from history who had weird jobs that don't exist anymore. So like oh, wow. I get to play all these different characters doing all these different weird accents. I um, love one it. Job, one job I had to play a woman from like 16th century England who was the sin eater of the town. So whenever anybody died, they would lay the body out and put a base of bread on top of the body and the sin eater would come and eat the bread to take away the sins. The sins. Of the oh my God. And so it's got all kinds of, there's like a funeral clowns. There were like all these fucking hilarious jobs that don't obviously exist anymore. But I just started doing that. Chris Parnell is the host and I just love it. And uh, I, I don't know when it airs, but it's, it's on Wondery. And then when, there, you know, when, when does it start? I'm not sure. I think it's pretty soon, but um, it's on Wondery and it's called Odd Jobs with Chris Parnell. And then okay. the only other thing is uh, Reno 911, all new episodes on Comedy Central starts, I think. Well, like let's let, we have to we have to talk about Reno 911 a little bit. I, there might, if there's some kind of delay on the video, there's nothing I could do. I hear you, though. So, um, OK, it's probably screwing us up a little bit, but we're OK. So Reno 911. All right. First of all, you know what made me happy and sad when I, I went on IMDb and I was looking at all the different cast members and there were all these guys, you know, Joe Latrulio, Ken Marino, David Wayne, Michael Ian Black, uh, Michael Showalter, Matt Walsh, Matt Besser, David Wayne, all these guys that back in the day we were all nothings uh, trying to, squirrels trying to get a nut. And of course, everyone got the nut, except uh, I'm in my kitchen doing a podcast now. But uh, <laughs> with, with Ed Zucker, my roommate from 1984, uh, who was freshman of the year in the Atlantic 10. Um, Boy, are things least, bad for you. Yeah, things went downhill. But I, um, 
it was just so great to see all those names and all of them. They're really uh, all those guys are so. Whenever I see them or I see them somewhere, I'll, or I shoot them a text or something, they're always so sweet. Really, a bunch of nice people there. But tell me about the whole Reno thing. How did that uh, the audition? How'd you get it? I mean, obviously Tom Lennon and all that stuff. But yeah. So when Jimmy and I were running around doing sketch comedy in the '90s in New York City. There were um, a bunch of people in the state, uh, which is kind of a legendary sketch comedy group in the 90s. And and a few of them were starting a show called Reno 911. And Peter Principato, our manager, um, represented them as well and was a producer on this new show they were doing. So what I didn't realize at the time was Carrie Kenny, one of the creators and stars, was pregnant. Um, and so they needed another woman who could kind of do the heavy lift and physical because it's a very sort of physical show you're constantly like running being hit in the face or so somebody you know. so somebody got laid that opened up a door for you how great is exactly. that exactly um I'm in and my so kitchen. my audition literally was like improvising in a character of your choice to be a cop and then you had to do an improv with tom lennon where in this little teeny tiny office and we got behind a chair and they're like, okay, the chair is like a big bush and Tom is whacking off behind the bushes. Uh, he's uh, <laughs> just another crazy perp. And your job is to stop him from running away. And so basically the whole audition was like, if I could restrain Tom Lennon enough to make him not run away, then right. I uh, had a good chance of getting the part. So, yeah. There you go. I got... Um, now- Initially, were you a regular or did they have you, uh, look at you, strong like bull? Strong like bull. Yeah, I was, yeah. Uh, I was, so I was a regular I, deputy. I didn't think there was any guarantee at first that I would be beyond that season to cover her pregnancy, but God bless, they kept me on for uh, three more seasons plus uh, a movie. And now for these additional seasons, we're like the comedy cockroach. There's nothing you can do to kill Reno 911. Right. Oh, I know. Um, it's been on like four different networks. It's still, and it's got a huge fan base. It's awesome. Yeah. Funny yeah. shit. So, yeah. So, well, so that's been all, a, I mean, you've done like 75 episodes at least, something like that. That's unbelievable. Probably. Yeah. Um, and they're all new episodes starting October 19th on Comedy Central at 10 30 p.m., 9 30 Central. Okay, now let me, that, that's a big plug for Reno 911 getting involved here, Jimmy Palumbo Show. Um, let's see, who, let's ask some, let's, let, let's do bad podcast questions. Um, what was your, besides live on tape and working with me, what was your second most favorite thing to do in showbiz gig? Besides like, Reno, that's your big thing, I guess so. Besides like an, Reno like a, and working with me. Like an established... Like what, yeah, what what role like did you uh, relish, love, sticks with you? You know, I mean, the Fame Becomes Me show was was definitely in the top five um, with Martin Short, right? Um, but it's weird because some of my favorite things weren't the fanciest. They were like, right. like I did a one night performance with all of these like drag performers as Judy Garland. And for some reason that particular night was so magical. And everybody was like, who the hell is this girl? Like I had right. Wallace Shawn following me around going like, where did you come from? I don't understand. And it just, That's you, awesome. know, you have these moments where, and there were nights of like live on tape like that. I mean, live on tape was right. definitely a high, high Well, life. you did, Even you did a, 
you did a couple of Judy kind of shows and you cast me in a few of them. And I loved it because again, I was playing like a photographer and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, you just totally nailed all that Judy stuff. Uh, you did the one show, I think it was called Judy Speaks. Was that one of them, the title? Or am I getting that wrong? Yeah, that's you did, right. That's what did. you that's did a film noir, you did a film noir one. Janet um, LeMay. Janet LeMay, which was a blast to do. And you had a bunch of live on tapers. Um didn't you uh, play well. you, I think you played Johnny LaRue. Was Johnny that your LaRue. Name? Yes. And on a sketch you wrote, Janet LeMay, I get I get scattered to death. That's right. Skip it up. You had the ultimate. You had the funniest line ever that no one laughed at but you and me when I tell you, hey, do you get the picture? And you said, hell, I even get the negatives. Never got a laugh, except you and I thought it was the funniest thing of all time. And I was still to this day, I watched that. I got the old DVDs every now and then I watch. I'm like, that's the funniest line ever. Silence. <laughs> it's like, what? We have uh, to figure out how to get those tapes released because we we have five hours of like broadcast quality sketch comedy. We got. I'm going to talk to Stafford again. He's got to make another call. In Studio 8H, that's SNL's right. legendary comedy studio. I know. And, and to this oh. day, Jimmy knows that if I, if any of the, the live on tape gang goes back to Studio 8H to do some kind of TV thing, yeah, the, the crew there, the crew guys love us. The crew will quote us lines from sketches. I know they it's unbelievable. Remember. I know, and they were young kids. Now some of them are retired, probably now, but still, yeah, it was yeah. it was a big deal. Uh, let's see now, who was the uh, what was the gig? I like to talk about like showbiz stuff a little bit. What yeah. what was the gig that you thought was going to be a big break and it totally shit the bed? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, love on tape, but um... no, that was well, that was shit the bed number one. But it was still worth it. Um, but uh, the actually it was not that long ago, <clears throat> relatively speaking, because there were some lean years, and I lean auditioned <laughs> this uh, pilot, um, and it was the first time that Roseanne Barr and John Goodman were going to be reunited on television since the original Roseanne show, and it was called Downwardly Mobile. <clears throat> Okay, they played a couple of random mobile, like a trailer park home. And I played this great like sidekick who was based on her, one of her actual best friends. who was like a bartender, former prostitute, basically. It was just really dumb. And it was a great show, great cast. And everybody was so excited about it. And then, you know, and it was that time where like we went to like a screening or something. And I remember one of the producers coming up to me going like, this is it. You're going to bust wide open on this. You're going to explode after this. Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, wow, maybe my time is fine. Like, like it just didn't get picked up. Um, right. But luckily, we all. I, rem I remember reading about that not getting picked up. People were shocked yeah. over that. But we, the cast really loved each other. And so we started a web series called Bitter Party of Five. And the, the first episode is literally, for real, us gathered around a table, calling NBC, oh. trying to get Robert Greenblatt, I think was his name, um, on the phone to say, like, so did the show get picked up? Because nobody would tell us. That's something that you don't know unless you're in showbiz. Like, nobody tells you. It's the only, like, industry where you can, like, just not be told 
you're fired. Right. Like nobody oh, even please. tells you. Well, that's why I do a that's why I do the Jimmy Palumbo podcast because I I tried to I I've tried to fire myself and I couldn't get myself on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> I woke up in the morning, you know, Jimmy, you got to fire this guy, Jimmy Palumbo, the Jimmy Palumbo show, and I fell asleep. I, I didn't answer my own phone, but uh, <laughs> well, that, yeah, that that is frustrating. Um, so what else? Uh, let's see. So you got Reno. You're you're shooting. You're living in L.A. What section of L.A. Are you living in now? What area? Uh, you know, it's not. pretty much um, central, like Hollywood. Um, are, you, are you still living by the 101 there? Yeah, right up the 101. And I can literally, not always, but almost always, hear the concerts from the Hollywood Bowl. So you're on um, Cahuenga, over there by Cahuenga then. Yeah, let's not give okay. my entire address. No, no, but, I'm just uh, saying, over there, no, no, I'm not giving you the number. I'm saying, I mean, you, but you've been there for a while, right? Yeah, oh yeah, I love yeah, it. Yeah. It's really yeah, beautiful. Cool My buddy Mark yeah, DeCarlo yeah. lives up the street by Barham in Coanga. So he's yeah, like yeah, two yeah. minutes from you. Uh, I just didn't know what section of LA. Now, how long have you been living in LA, really, like all the time? 10 years, 15 years? I mean, I usually date it because there was that long, I always, I call like LA for a long time. I was bi-coastal, so I was in Jersey and- I thought you, uh, I th when you I, said the word bi, I thought you were going to say something else. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and so, um, no, I wanted, I wanted to write a book called Bi. It's all about being bi-coastal and like the weird things you learn when you're bi, when you're bi-coastal. Right. Um, but it's almost like New York for the longest time was my wife, even though I'm straight, like- New York was the wife and LA was the mistress because when I would right. come to LA, I totally like, get that. Totally. So, you know, palm trees and tans and ooh, Hollywood and driving. Right. Um, and then New York get back and she'd be like, you want some soup? Uh, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I, I guess in 2007, I bought my first car, like my first new car that uh, i owned. once you get a car so, for la that means you're yeah so i've been here full 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 time i would say since 2014 okay um, uh, i used I to when i lived in la i would summer in new jersey i would leave to go to my shore house the rental and everybody used to be like jimmy how could you go back to new jersey i'm like the hell am i gonna do here in the summer it's hot i want to go back to my friends and drink so that's what I'm i used to do and you're and an LBI girl getting involved here. That's right. Long Beach Island, South Jersey. Right, right, South Jersey, right, hon. Right, right. How you doing, I hon? Your, I remember your mom. She was so sweet, so sweet, mm -hmm. so sweet. Uh, back in the day, back in the yeah, You have a, your sister's, um, I know your brother passed. Your sister is, uh, you still talk to your, is your sister's still around, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they, how's she, one how's she doing? In, one still lives in uh, in South Jersey, the other okay. one lives in uh, Pennsylvania, like Amish country, that okay. area. Please tell them um, I said hello. I will. I will. I miss them so much. I miss Jersey. I miss weather. I miss thunderstorms. I just, um, a big thunder just blew right now. I'm like, oh my God, we're going to lose power in the middle of my podcast. Um, but uh, which will rattle the world. I mean, CNN will cut in saying Jimmy Palumbo show was cut off. <laughs> but listen, I, Mary, listen, I, I could talk to Mary all day. We're going to try to have a live on tape reunion. I don't know how we're going to do it, but please go to, to 
Now, what is your Twitter's and Instagram? Mary Birdsong, official Mary Birdsong. Twitter is at Mary Birdsong. Is Twitter, Instagram is at Mary Birdsong official. And go to YouTube and subscribe there. It's YouTube.com/slash Mary Birdsong TV. Um, you'll yes. see some a lot of live on tape footage is on there if yep, you look yep, yep. Uh, with with Jimmy Palumbo. And I believe Zucker, yeah. you're on there too, strangely, which yeah. is weird. Ed Zucker, Ed Zucker used to play the Irish priest in live on tape. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> years ago. Very funny, very funny. Well, I just listen, have to say right. this for the record, Jimmy. Just wanted to say, live on tape, working with you and the rest of the gang was, like when you were talking about highlights, that was the most fun. When I say it was like being in a band, you couldn't wait to get to rehearsal. You couldn't wait to get to some shitty church basement and do a sketch for five people because you felt like you were a part of something really exciting and cool and like, like something was happening, you know? And we were, you know what I, I say, I know like, um, what is it? Uh, like second city, uh, not second city, uh, upright citizen brigade and all that. And I tell people like, I, I could say this with a straight, we were the best sketch comedy group. We might have even been better than SNL at that one point. I swear to God, they were in a down period, and I don't say I say that jokingly, but we—I thought I of would all not the- disagree. I would not disagree. And we—we <laughs> we were the best sketch group in, and that's how we got signed by NBC because someone said, "Hey, who's the best?" I, I need to go see a Warren Littlepage came into town. They said, "Hey, Littlefield. we need to go see." Warren Littlefield, Littlefield, <laughs> Littlefield's a Rutgers basketball coach. Uh, but now Warren Littlefield, uh, who's still producing now, he, uh, uh, they, someone said to him, "Hey, what's a good group?" And he said, "This group." And remember, um, what's her name? The other producer who passed away, young girl, a young lady. She was oh, sweet. Oh yeah. Um, can't think of her name right now. And she <laughs> said, "Next thing you know, we were signed by a deal. It came out of nowhere." But the thing was, people were. I remember talking to other improv people, and they were like, "Ah, oh, these guys. Like, how did they sign?" I'm like, "Hey, guys." I know we got a miracle deal here and it came out of nowhere. We had that big show at uh, West Bank Cafe. And I remember I had personally, I had one, I was, I had a great show that night. I was like, you know what? I'm going to take the ball and jam this. And we were all on. And next thing you know, we got signed and people were like, Oh, this group, how did they get signed? I'm like, listen, I know we got signed maybe on a, on a, on a Hail Mary pass, but our shit's good. We, 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 the shit is off. Yep. Do you have, I don't know if you have time to do it, but you, I think you were the one who told me a story about Mike August, um, who was a former agent of ours at William Morris, where somebody was like, how did they get signed? Like, how'd they do it? Like, what was their gimmick or whatever? And he was like, right. what was their, how did they, let me tell you something. Those kids busted their balls. Like he right. sort of read them the eye right act and said, and I, how hard we worked, how long we worked. And not only that, I, I got to give credit to Mike Stafford because Mike Stafford. He, he was the producer and he wasn't an asshole. And what he did was he made sure there were Fanny in the seats. He made sure we had, we didn't really have a budget. So we had to bring our own stuff a lot, but he made sure um, uh, that we, we, he made those, he makes those. You remember the one time we wanted to get something like from the president or something like that. And Stafford made phone calls. He got to like the chief of staff on the phone. I'm like, that was Mike Stafford. I'll never forget the funniest thing Mike Stafford ever did. We needed NFL flags for some sketch we were doing. I don't even remember what it was. And he ended up getting in touch with the NFL referee society. <laughs> and he came with actual NFL flags. Meanwhile, me and Artie were like, what the hell are you doing? That was Stafford. He broke his ass, uh, and he ended up producing uh, 
man cave show for seven years on HGTV. I love it. Like, you know, they talk about like, oh, if you want to manifest your dreams, you know, you have to pretend that like they've already come true so that, you know, you'll, they'll, they'll show right. up. Fully formed. Mike was like that. He walked around like he was Warren Littlefield, like with his briefcase and his tie, and like he was just some guy from Long Island. But right, if you told Mike Stafford, if you told Mike Stafford, "Hey, can we get George Clooney to do one of our sketches?" He would look at you, okay, and the next day he would say, "Ah, we can't get him." I talked to his mother. I talked to his agent. He's actually celebrating his mother's 70th birthday. Like he would like, I'm like, Mike, how did you get that far? He got all the way up. And then we'd smile. We, you know. So when Mike Stafford, I used to call him the 50% guy. If you ask Mike Stafford 10 things to get for a show, he's only going to get 50%. But the ones that he almost gets are like better than the ones he gets. Like, how did you get in touch with these people? He, I love him. Mike Stafford, great guy. I have to tell him to listen to this. Um, but of course, the other one with Alec Collin, Tom Bolster, Tommy B, my boy, um, and uh, Tony Menudo, Barbara Harrow, Amy Wilson getting involved. Who else did I forget? Anybody? That's everybody. And of course, Otis. what's Amy's? What's Amy's uh, called? She does the mommy stuff. Um, oh God, I should know this, Amy. You're gonna hate me. She's really into the whole uh, mother uh, parenting. First, it was baby stuff, and then it was uh, middle school stuff. And she's really in tune with all that parent magazine okay. world. Don't be, don't be jealous of my sexy glasses with my. Well, look at me. I'm wearing glasses. Otherwise, I can't see shit. What's the eyewear? What's the, the eyewear company that sponsors you? Absolute eyewear getting involved. You need glasses. Let me know. I was all. I was slightly disappointed. I was. I was assuming that the eyewear would come with like little teeny tiny bottles of Absolute that would a little straw, <laughs> like the hats. Like the it's hats Absolute with, with an E. I know. I've got to ask them that. The Absolute name. I'm going to open up a company called like Kettle One uh, Eyewear next door. Just to <laughs> Or me would be Schlitz Eyewear. I maybe get a six pack of Schlitz. Um, but uh, listen, Otis, thank you so much for doing this. And um, you, you don't even have to stay on the rest of the show. You go and do your world. And I wait. Will... Wait, what am I waiting for? One edition. Amy Wilson's podcast is called What Fresh Hell? Oh, what fresh hell. That's it. Amy, I'm sorry. Uh, I forgot your podcast. And so it's, uh, right. Barbara has one called. Um, Every Family's have, Got One. Uh, Every Family's Got One. What fre fresh hell. Um, and then the one that I'm going to be on on Wondery is called, called Odd Jobs. Right. And the one that will awesome. be canceled soon enough is the Jimmy Palumbo show. <laughs> Jimmy, you want to slide over a cock with that? <laughs> now, wait a minute. Actually, you know what? We didn't even talk about Mary Birdsong and we have to, this show is going to go long and I don't care. Mary Birdsong is great as she is in these other shows. Her best scene ever is the waitress at the diner in beer league. And she's Rhonda and from Linda, orders, New, Jersey. From Linda New Jersey and Artie orders uh, bacon, egg and cheese with milkshakes, blah, blah, blah. And I, <laughs> yeah, give me the same thing. And uh, then Ralph Macho, he orders a, a, a something with very little oil, blah, blah, blah. And we mock him out. We do a bunch of homophobic jokes that are funny. And then Rhonda's listening like, guys, you know, enough already. <laughs> and then she, no, she no, goes guys. through the order. Yeah. And then she just says, and you want to side order a cock with that? Oh, my God. It's like, I remember being in the theater. <laughs> that was that very got funny. A, they got a huge laugh. And I, as we a bartender, fresh. it's delicious. Oh yeah. You walk away. It's delicious. I, I, I trust me. You like, you flick your hand up. 
It was like you were in the game for three minutes. You scored nine points. Um, it was uh, that line when I bartend, and if I think I know the guys, and one of the guys is ordering like a Chardonnay or something, and I think it's the right time, I just go, "Hey, listen, you want another Chardonnay, or you want a side order cock with that?" And listen, uh, everybody, get Peter, get Peter Principato and Ted Bender and Artie get their ducks in a row. We need to pitch Lynn Diner. As Linden a Diner Girl. It's a half hour comedy with Rhonda from Linden, Artie, Jimmy, and Ralphie. Yep. And that's well, speaking show. speaking of uh, of beer league, we we are I will be I'll have to talk to you off the air. There are some brewings going on. As that's I'm wearing the, the Ed Ed Barnes uh, swill here, I will be talking to you. You you might be getting a phone call from me regarding something with that world that I'm just teasing it like that. Cause that's what Very it is exciting. right now, but it's uh something happened. We will Rhonda, me and Rhonda may be working again. Johnny Trino <laughs> needs to see Rhonda again and order a bacon, egg and cheese on a hard roll. Mary, Excellent. I love you. Mary birdsong. She rocks. I will see you. Thank you so much. And I'll call you in a little bit. Okay. Love you, Jimmy. Bye. You Bye Mary. All right. See ya. All right. Mary Birdsong, that was awesome. Of course, it went a little long, but who cares? Because uh, it's her. All right. Uh, this is the part where I talk about my stand-up sponsored by the Pine Tar Bar and Grill. Tommy Plinio's uh, Bar in Fork and River, 121 South Main Street, getting involved, 609-489-4286. You got to go to this sports bar. It's got everything, the games, TVs all over the place. Um karaoke beer pong they got bands playing every game if if there's a chess match going on in zimbabwe he gets it on the television <laughs> pine tar bar and grill go check it out pine tar bar grill.com and he sponsors my whatever i got going on i did some stand-up last week and i'll be quick with this in scotch plains new jersey it was a rough show outside uh in front of the town hall it was cold uh, dark, damp. It was parent-teacher's night in Scott's Plains. It was like only about 30 people in the audience. Uh, I couldn't curse. You had to be clean. I struggled like a dog. But like all great veterans, I bounced back at Stand Up New York Saturday night at a taping of this new show with stand-up comedians. It's going to be like this long-form thing. It's pretty cool. There was 10 of us, and um, I was all fired up to do it. My buddy Greg Alperin, who's going to be working with me on this possible uh thing here um so i had a really nice set i was the oldest guy in the bill i busted balls with it um and it was uh it was fun to do i had a really good set it felt good which you know you got to take when you feel good on stage you got to take it you know what i mean um unfortunately my gig in ohio got canceled the wussies out there for this baseball team decided they couldn't put put it together in time and i'm uh, very sad about that my uh my buddy Rick Antonori, the coach of the baseball team, uh, he tried to put it together, but it didn't work out. Uh, but we may do something in the spring. We'll see. So I will not be going to Ohio. People are going to say because Rutgers lost to Ohio State, which is why I'm not going to Ohio. I got uh, gigs coming up. I have a big gig. I got to ask my fan base here um, that uh, uh, I got a gig on October 21st and October 22nd, Friday and Saturday, 9 p.m. at the Comedy Cove. In Springfield, New Jersey. I'll be posting a lot about it. It's the first time I'm headlining two nights in a row at like a regular comedy club. I'm looking forward to it. Um, so everybody, please, if you can go to that show so the guy doesn't think I'm a jerk off. 
maybe after he sees my set, he'll think that. But um, go check that out. Uh, since we ran long, I'll talk pretty quickly. I've been watching House of Dragons. I still don't get the creepy incest thing. I hate it. Uh, is anybody with me on this? Eddie, you don't watch the show, you told me. But they do this to the uncle marrying the niece. It's awful. Who the hell wants to watch it? I don't get it. But I guess it happened in the first Game of Thrones. And I don't know. There's something creepier about this one. It makes me crazy. But I also watched the show Elvis. Now, normally, Ed, since you're just filling in, I talk with Chris about certain movies and stuff. I thought this movie Elvis missed. It just did. I think they made a huge mistake. And someday when I grow up, if I'm a producer, I'll say, listen, look at The Crown. Show The Crown is awesome. Takes you through the whole thing of The Crown. I think Elvis should have been a 30-part, three-year, 30-episode thing on Netflix from the very beginning until the brutal end. They, I, 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 It was cool seeing the songs, and you see how great Elvis was and how big he was, but uh, I think there was so much more and, and about Elvis and Colonel Tom Parker, and, uh, you know, I just think it deserved the crown kind of thing where you really go episode to episode of what how big this guy was and how right. big he was in Vegas and how big he was in Hollywood and how big he is now. I mean, Elvis, you know, Marilyn Monroe, Elvis, Joe DiMaggio, uh, John Wayne, uh, you know, Michael Jackson, uh, you know, the queen. Uh, these are iconic names. They'll never go away. The sideburns, you know, the, he's Elvis. I ain't nothing but a hound dog. Um, I thought the movie, uh, it, 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 was, uh, it was, it wasn't bad. It, it was good, I guess. It was just okay, but it missed for me. I think this material could go much deeper, especially his drug use at the end and all that. I wanted a little more there. Um, are you an Elvis fan, Eddie? I'm an Elvis fan, of course. Who isn't an Elvis there fan? The guy's the king, man. He's the king. So that's it. Well, listen, Eddie, I can't thank you enough. I know you didn't talk all that much, but let me ask you real quick. What do you got going? What are you doing? How's the family? What do you got? By the way, Eddie got me all the swag stuff. The Everybody should know show. that I knew you back when, okay? When yes. we were roommates at Rutgers, when you were doing your Bob Shepard imitations back then. I, I knew was, you, I, and I knew that you'd be something special. You're, you're an incredible person. Oh, all your you. successes. That's when, you, that's when you were dating the Manster. What was that? That's right. Randy, Randy. Randy. All your successes are, are, are because of who you are and how hard you work and, and how much people uh, really, really love you. So, so uh, you, anything, you know, I'm here for you, brother. And um, so, what, what, what else? Uh, like, what are you doing? You retire, semi retired now? Yeah, you're basically, still, still I do. Doing a, the, still doing still my doing apparel. Merchandise. I'm still doing my okay. merch. Uh, I do a lot of basketball uh, coaching and training still. Okay. Uh, I moved down to Ocean Township, New Jersey, left Manalapan. Uh, okay. Oh, when did you do that? Just recently? Uh, yeah, last year, about a year ago. Right. And, uh, you know, I Good still have uh, one of my sons still plays college basketball at, uh, you know, Yeshiva University. He's in his last year. So okay. I get to watch They're pretty him good. And, They're pretty good in hoops. Yeah, yeah, pretty good in hoops. And, uh, you know, he's an integral part of the program. So it's uh, he's a captain this year. So, uh gives me a chance to kind of follow him around his last year, last time. And, uh, you know, just trying to stay healthy. Maybe, and, uh, maybe uh, I'll meet you in the city. I'll go to a game with you. It'd be fun. You would love it. My friend, it would, it would be a great time. And, uh, well, just so uh, people know, Ed Zucker came to Rutgers as a freshman, pretty big recruit in New Jersey. It was a good get for the Scarlet McKnight's. And, um, and you did something, I guess you remind me a little bit in terms of a guy like Mokehi, in terms of like, you got there, and right away you were, um, 
you know, you, you didn't play 40 minutes your freshman year, but you played a lot. And yeah, you got you had a decent amount of minutes, a decent amount of rebounds. So it was like it was kind of fun to be like, hey, wait a minute now. This guy, this guy Zucker's coming in and he was part of the game. You passed well. I even though I bust your balls. You were you were um you were um, I was a fundamental player. That's what I was. Right. I was, I was you, you didn't have the best outside shot, but you could hit it if you had to. Correct. And you were an all around player, and it sucked. You, you hurt your knee, which I think it was the. I think you told me it was the first injury like you ever. <laughs> that had. was our, that was our sophomore year together as roommates right. when you I met hurt me my and you hurt your knee. I mean, you, um, I, I asked you to hold the door for me. You wouldn't even do that. That's because I was trying to be like uh, you know a Brian song, get you going. Let's go here, you know. <laughs> you were too busy uh, pledging back then. Pledging cap a sig. Uh, yes, but no, we, yes. Were, we were in that little that little shitty dorm room. Quad twenty three was it? Quad twenty three. Yeah, but we had the best Nerf basketball games ever. Oh, so great! Remember <laughs> those on our knees? And what was his name? The guy next door, the defensive back, Rutgers. Uh, Milton. Til, til, uh, Milton. Milton. Milton Ellis. Milton Ellis. Hold on, Jimbo. <laughs> Hold on, Jimbo. You know, those were, those are great times. And, you know, you were a big Rutgers basketball and football supporter. Uh, yeah. and you still I was a bigger are. basketball fan back in the day. I really was. 100%. 100%. So, well, listen, Eddie, thank you so much for filling in. I'm going to have Eddie on, I guess, opening day for basketball is what, about a month? It's coming up. It's probably sooner than that. I have to. It's yeah, coming up. I will. I'm going to have you on the week before, and we're going to break down the whole Rutgers basketball thing. Have some fun with that. Absolutely. Looking um, forward to it, my man. And um, I will. Uh, God bless your new home and your family and everything else. And thanks for filling Absolutely. in. And everybody, that's my it. Pleasure. Jimmy Palumbo show. I, I I don't have Chris here to tell me what else we got to do, but that's it. I will speak to you later. I love you guys. Check out the uh, all the stuff online and social media. I'm also going to be having a new website coming out. That's a little news there. So. It's not really quite ready yet, but it will be soon. All right. Eddie, love you. I'll talk to you Love soon. you, Billy. See you later, Jimmy. All good. Well,